The Way It Is by William Stafford. There's a thread you follow. It goes among things that change, but it doesn't change. People wonder about what you are pursuing. You have to explain about the thread, but it is hard for others to see. While you hold it, you can't get lost. Tragedies happen, people get hurt or die, and you suffer and get old. Nothing you do can stop times unfolding. You don't ever let go of the thread. Follow up the poem here with a couple of verses from Romans. The new life in Christ. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds, so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Marks of the true Christian. Let love be genuine. Hate what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with mutual affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not lag in zeal. Be ardent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in suffering. Persevere in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints. Extend hospitality to strangers. So let us be together again in a moment of prayer. Oh God, we give thanks for the beauty of this day, the sunshine and blue sky. May the sunshine of your love permeate our hearts and help us to hear the astounding news of the gospel. I pray it in Christ's name. Amen. So the question that I invite you to ponder with me this morning is this question about can we do good without God? We are in a series sermons on being a blessing and what does it mean to be a blessing but one of the things is to do good can you do good without God that seems so simple and straightforward doesn't it do good hold the door make the cup of coffee for your spouse in the morning (laughs) clean out the dishwasher send a card remember birthdays show up for your kids leave a 20 percent or more tip for your server Full disclosure, my son and daughter-in-law run a restaurant in Lawrence. (laughs) It seems so simple. We got this. We don't need help from above. And yet, my friends, if we are honest with ourselves, we know that we are not perfect. We are imperfect, flawed 
fallible, foibled human beings. And we can make a mess of things. And we blurt out things that we wish that we could take back. And there are things that we do that we wish we hadn't done. And there's things that we have left undone that we should have done. And there are times that we are, well, we're lazy. <laughs> we're tired. Or we're preoccupied. Yes, I should have emptied out the dishwasher, but it was the fourth quarter and we were tied 35-35. And, <laughs> and I was worried about the strength of Matt Patrick Mahomes' knee. I mean, ankle. <laughs> so no, left alone to ourselves, it is hard for us to be obedient to those two simple words that command, do good. So it was only this last Thursday in Lawrence that we woke up to an ice storm and the sidewalks in front of our house on West Campus Road were icy and the students would have been better off making their way to class wearing hockey skates. <laughs> and we could look out the window and watch the students struggle and keep from falling on their derrieres as they walked to class. Now Thursday when we woke up, it was a cold, pretty awful day and I had no intention of going outside and going into it. But what I want to know is why the idea didn't come to me myself. Why didn't I think to myself, you know, Pete, you should get up off your butt and go out and throw some rock salt on the sidewalks so the poor students don't slip and fall. Why did it take a reminder from my wife? And I thought to myself, evidently, the jury's still out on whether or not I can do good without God, but it is clear to me that I cannot do good without my wife. <laughs> <laughs> so I want you to know, my friends, it came as some consolation to this backslider that the Apostle Paul also put himself in the same boat, that the Apostle Paul was aware of his own flaws. Remember, he was the one who was the persecutor of Christians before he had that blinding experience on the road to Damascus when he was blinded for three days and fell off his horse. The Apostle Paul, who felt himself to be the least of all the apostles of Christ, the Apostle Paul, who says in Romans chapter 7, verse 19, the good that I would, I do not do. How self-aware was Paul that the only way that he could do good in the world is but by God's grace and the power of Christ. So let's just go a little bit deeper with this idea about doing good in the world. And think of this command as something a little bit more than common courtesies that make the world a more hospitable place. That is, holding the door open for somebody or throwing some rock salt on your walk so that people don't trip and fall. But to move to a deeper place of recognizing that we as people of faith here in this community are called to follow Christ. And when we think about that, we recognize that the bar for doing good is pretty dang high. That following Christ would call us to push ourselves out of our own comfort zones. 
When we think about confronting the ills of the world, we recognize how high that bar is. And we are liable, all of us, thinking about doing good at the level of Christ, of falling into despair and discouragement and becoming burned out. Yes, in the face of the world's meanness, its violence, its racism, its misogyny, its lies and white supremacy. And to be frank, the message that some of our legislators in Topeka, Kansas right now are sending to our trans friends here in our community, sending to them this message that they are, excuse me, not created in the image of God like everybody else and that their lives don't in fact really matter all that much. And when we confront those evils in the world, are we not liable when we hear that command, do good, to throw up our hands and say, yeah, but what difference does it really make? So I've got some good news, my friends. We here in the church, in the United Church of Christ, here at Colonial UCC, carry the memory of those who've gone before us, who've done amazing good in the world, the saints among us, who lived by their faith, who acted heroically, who stood for justice, put their lives on the line, faced water cannons. And what they all say with one chorus is it wasn't them alone doing good, but it was God acting through them. The spirit inside them when they turned again and again to God to find strength, to receive God's grace, because they knew without it that their own spirits would falter and flag. The stories of our faith are filled with stories of mortal, ordinary human beings who do extraordinary things, who again and again are willing to be transformed. And by transformed, I mean they're willing to be saved, they're willing to be found by God and by God's grace in their lives. I think of John Newton, who was a shipper of slaves in the 18th century, bringing slavery to the United States, and how he had an experience one day in the middle of a storm on a ship, and he realized, but by God's mercy, he had been saved, and he was converted to Christianity, and from that day on, he began to commit his life to the abolition of slavery because he understood that slavery was an abomination in the eyes of God. The stories of faith are filled with mortal, ordinary human beings who are willing to be transformed by the Spirit. I think of Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the famous German theologian and pastor who uncompromisingly opposed Nazism from the very start even to the extent of when he had a safe haven here in her own country, teaching at Union Theological Seminary, decided to leave that safe place and go back to Germany to participate in the anti-Hitler resistance movement. And for that, he paid dearly with his life. He was arrested by the Gestapo and he was killed and executed at the end of the war. 
What courage and what bravery we think. Yes, that's true, but Bonhoeffer knew how tough it was to stand up against fear and faint-heartedness. In fact, in prison, letters and papers from prison, Bonhoeffer wrote these words as his prayer. He said, God, give me the hope that will deliver me from fear and faint-heartedness. Bonhoeffer, like all the rest of us, needed to turn again and again to God and God's grace to find that strength to do good in the world. So Paul, the apostle, in the beginning of his letter to the people at Rome, Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, and these are paraphrased by Eugene Peterson, who does a wonderful job with this text. This is what Paul says. He says, take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, and going to work life, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Take your life and place it before God as an offering. In other words, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. And I speak very personally, my friends. I have no idea how I could ever be good without God and my wife. <laughs> and the only way I hope to do good in the world is if I'm willing again and again to open myself to that transformative power the same one that Bonhoeffer spoke of to deliver him from fear and faint-heartedness. When I think of what it means to turn to that transformative power again and again, to that place of transcendence, I think of it as this thread, that this thread is this grace that weaves through our entire lives and that is with me always, this thread that William Stafford talks about in his poem, The Way It Is. He went to KU, by the way. And in his poem, he writes, there's a thread you follow. It goes among things that change, but it doesn't change. People wonder about what you are pursuing. You have to explain about the thread, but it's hard for others to see. And while you hold it, you can't get lost. Tragedies happen, people hurt, or die, you suffer and get old. Nothing you do can stop times unfolding. You don't ever let go of the thread. And for me, that thread is grace. It's God. It's the love of God. And I return again and again and again to that thread to remind myself of that transformative power of God. And my guess is that every one of us here this morning are listening or watching online has somebody in their lives, an aunt, an uncle, a coach, a teacher, a friend, somebody who reminds you of those critical moments in your life when courage is called for and you have to stand up to your fear and faint heartedness, reminds you of those moments, reminds you of that thread that's always with you throughout your life, that transcendent presence that you will always have with you. And sometimes even we're reminded of that thread by the beauty of a Kansas sunset or the feel of a baby's brow underneath our fingertips 
or just to simply smile, a simple smile from a stranger, but somebody to remind you of that thread, that grace that enables you to do good in the world because we can't do it alone, my friends. And when I was a young man at the age of 22, I learned about that thread from my father. For I was a young man and my dad, who was in the height of his ministry, serving a parish very much like this one here at Colonial United Church of Christ, at the height of his ministry, robust, healthy man, was suddenly afflicted with a disease of the brain called Kreutzfeldt-Jakob. It was a terminal disease for which there would be no recovery. And we watched as his eyesight vanished, his muscular deterioration of his muscles, afflicted with terrible headaches. And he knew, and we all knew, he would only get worse until he died. And my brothers and I adored our dad, and to this day we savor memories of camping trips and fishing expeditions to the wilds of northern Canada. But the one day I remember is one of the hardest days of my life, and that was on Christmas morning of 1974, and the year that my dad was so sick, and it was breakfast. And I still remember hearing dad's preacher's voice hit my ears like cold steel when he said to us on Christmas morning, keep the guns loaded. It was breakfast and dad put his fork down and shoved the elephant into the room. And he said, tomorrow I will be readmitted to the hospital. And then he paused and he said, this is sheer hell. I don't want to live the rest of my life like this. Leave the guns where I can get them. We had a couple of guns in the house. We had a 7mm. We had a 22 Magnum pistol in the closet. Generally, we took them when we went up to northern Canada to protect ourselves from bears. An argument ensued that morning. I'll never forget about whether we should keep the guns in the house as dad wanted or we should remove them so that he would inflict this injury upon himself, so that he wouldn't take his own life. We decided at the end of the day that we we're going to leave the guns where he could get them. So he got to choose. And then it was a week after Christmas Day. It was New Year's Day. In fact, exactly seven days afterwards, in 1974, when my dad had a complete change of heart. He found his thread. He could have taken his life. He could have collapsed into self-pity and regret. And he did neither one of these things. He found his thread. Because he wrote these words to his church, church like Colonial, UCC. He wrote, after 48 hours of self-searching and study, it comes to me that ultimately and finally the Christian must view life as a gift from God. Every precious drop of life is not earned, but as a grace lovingly bestowed upon the individual by his or her creator. And so I find the position of suicide untenable. Here it is 50 years later, and I'm telling you this story. That's much an impression this left upon me. My father was able to find at the very end of his life the strength that comes from knowing a grace-filled God. 
And that's my dad's legacy to me. And I pray that I will find that thread when the time comes as well. But I want you to know this, my friends. I don't need to wait till the end of my life to find that thread. And you don't either. You can find it today. You can find it now. You can turn to God now and be open to that thread, that grace, that love, so you can do good in the world. You can listen to that voice, wherever that voice is, because after all, people are God with skin on, and God speaks to other human beings. And it may be a voice like my wife Linda's who said, Pete, how about throwing some rock salt all onto those sidewalks? That voice, that thread comes in all different ways to all different people. But it is that thread, that voice that reminds us again and again, no, we're not perfect. Yes, we are flawed. Yes, we make mistakes. But God is with us always. And by the power of God's grace, yes, we can do good in the world. And we can be a blessing in the world by God's grace. Amen.